Next to me is my, my friend, uh, Trey Hudson. Hey, what's up? This is Trey Hudson. I'm, yeah, Cockroach Conservatory. It's fucking bullshit, man. And, uh, fucking bullshit. I'm here. Hey, what did you say? Stick to the script with you. Okay, yes, sir. Uh, we're here at the Cockroach Conservatory. Friends and family, uh, we're here Near Austin, Texas. Near Austin, Texas, guys. We're like covering about. That's too much information. Back to the script. I'll get out the whip again. Fairmont. No, no, no. no Fairmont no. 3000. That's, that's not, that's not necessary. That's not necessary. That's, yeah, come on, man. Can't you just, just take it easy? No, God. God damn it. Human. Be quiet in front of your Lord Commander Patagonia. I would listen to Fairmont 3000 if I were you. Have I not written you the words to read? Have I not written you perfect words from a perfect mind? Okay, just let just let us start over. We'll we'll introduce the show. We'll do it. We'll do it right. Okay, just put away the whip. Okay. Um so so <laughs> so so you you want us to introduce your, your diary? Yes. Okay. Don't you know how to read, you incompetent peon? Okay. Uh so next because of the just past intergalactic integral, just because so next because of the the, the, the inter, Quit stammering because of the inter <laughs> because of the intergalactic space laws requiring transparency for all commanders, uh, we are required to broadcast the diaries of Lord Commander Patagonia as read by Fearbot Three Thousand. Yeah, that's right. So we're we're just going to introduce the show. And it's really fun. It's really... Okay, okay. I'll, I'll go faster. It's really fun. You guys are really going to love it. Speed up thy mouth! Okay. Uh, you, you guys, tune in. Whoa. From the diary of the Lord Commander Patagonia. Hey, that's mine. As read by Fearbot 3000. This is the diary of Lord Commander Patagonia. Give it back. Space is vast and lonely. It is empty and pitiful, worthy only of conquest. As I write this, at my feet purrs Fearbot 3000, my perfect instrument of perfect judgment, my greatest invention. Not five space years ago, I struck out of Black Hole Duffel to find my own planet to, be, to lord over. My father was king of Black Hole Duffel and all of its satellites. He was beloved. He was feared. He had muscles. My oldest brothers were allowed to split Black Hole Duffel region amongst themselves, each ruling half the entire sector. But I... I was forgotten. I was abandoned. I was a mistake. My father forgot to put on a thin silicone glove during a rather intense protein exchange with one of his many wives. He surmised that her age would prevent her from a teratoma growth that would soon become a living being. That teratoma became me. I was cut off from my mother's shoulder and thrown into a test tube to grow. I... I never suckled at the udder of my mother. My father, though he overlooked simple regulations that helped prevent such unwanted children, was sympathetic. 
He boomed to me as soon as I grew legs and arms and hands and feet to crawl out of my glass prison. You are my son, but you cannot inherit my kingdom as your older brothers have. Imperial regulations require this. Though I am above such bureaucracy, I do not wish to end five years of tradition. Now that you are five, you will live the life of royalty for the rest of your life. You will never have to work. You will never have to exercise your brain. You will eat grapes fed to you by the mouths of whores daily. It was fine for two years, but I grew anxious. The grapes were not as sweet as my brother's grapes. The mouths of the whores were not as mouth-like as the mouths of the whores my brothers had. I grew tired of my forced indolence. I wanted to conquer. I had been receiving radio broadcasts from a distant planet. I grew to like this planet's music. I grew to like the cadence of speakers in this far and distant planet from a small, easily conquerable town. So I began to work on my very expensive spaceship, which I was entitled to despite being unwanted royalty. And I began putting together Fearbot DS9 to keep me company on the long journey. I had no desire to speak to the common black hole duffel people who would be piloting my ship. I only desired to speak to something of the highest intelligence, something I created and programmed myself, a perfect instrument of perfect judgment, my own consciousness living on forever as an algorithm in a perpetual motion, self-propelled vacuum. To us, then! I proclaimed as I put on my robe. Fearbot DS9 clanked and clattered and sputtered off the edge of my planet, which is flat like all planets in the known universe. It disappeared in the black vastness that is the surrounding atmosphere of Black Hole Duffel. Something would need to be done. I began to work on a series of failures. Fearbots 1 through 999-X were worse than the first model. Why don't you name it Fearbot 3000? The cretinous pilot of my ship interrupted as I scribbled differing names onto a sheet of paper. And why don't you get back to piloting my very expensive spaceship that I paid for with my own hard-earned customer loyalty cards that my father bequeathed me, you ingrate? But something about what he had said stuck. It clanged around in my huge brain so long that I convinced myself that it was my own idea. And it was my own idea, because it was perfect. Fearbot 3000. A name can do a lot for a person's personality. So with a huge and very expensive ceremony, I set out to name this little creature of my own making with little blinking eyes that read 12 o'clock. I wheeled it out through the poop deck with all of my subjects lined up perfectly. I glared at them to applaud its arrival. I had not yet made legs for it, but it was perfect. It was another me in mechanical form. I hereby declare, I said with my very expensive staff raised to the sky, the black emptiness of the universe, that this perfect machine, being of my own creation, be called henceforth Fearbot 3000. This idea was mine, and mine alone, and Fearbot 3000 should be seen as my intellectual equal. Anything it commands shall be seen as a command directly from me. And questions you may have, you may ask Fearbot 3000, for I am too busy steering this ship to Austin, Texas. A tiny town of no repute on this tiny and worthless planet as dwellers call Earth. I glared into the eyes of my very expensive workers. They applauded. I also declare... As chief medical knowledge bringer on this ship, that the pilot is insane, 
and can only be trusted to steer this ship. Anything out of his mouth is as worthy of nothing unless he says to put on your seatbelts. Everything else should be regarded as the rantings of a raving lunatic, a rabid mongoloid. Pay him no attention. Uh, what about you, sir? What should we call you? A very expensive idiot asked. I... I said, but I hadn't decided on a title for myself, aside from Chief Medical Knowledge Bringer, and that was a title just to inspire trust in my assessment of our idiotic pilot. I... Fearbot 3000 beeped and blooped in word. Lord Commander, it said. Yeah. I said... That was my idea that my very expensive machine, Fearbot 3000, a perfect instrument of perfect judgment, blurted out for me. I am Lord Commander Patagonia, and we are on a voyage of destiny. We are going to conquer Earth by way of its most insignificant town, Austin, Texas. All hail Lord Commander Patagonia and his perfect instrument of perfect judgment, Fearbot 3000, Fearbot 3000 said. All hail Lord Lord Commander Patagonia and his perfect instrument of perfect judgment, Fearbot 3000. My very expensive labor force hailed in unison. I've been breastfeeding my son Clarence for the past 12 and a half years, and he has always loved it. A week ago, Clarence expressed a desire to move to solid foods, like his big boy friends on the baseball team. I told him I did not think his tummy wummy was ready to digest big boy food yet, and that I would know because I breastfed his eight brothers until they graduated from high school. Since we've had our discussion, Clarence has been spitting out my nipple, and when I cradle the back of his head to force it in, he bites down harder than normal. He drew blood yesterday. His diet still consists of only breast milk, as the solid food is locked securely away in the highest kitchen cabinets. Like my mother told me, as long as you live under my roof. Oh, Fearbot 3000, how do I make my son understand that a mother knows best and get him to suckle as sweetly as he did before he joined the junior high baseball team? Concerned and bleeding in South Carolina. Dear Concerned and Bleeding, The bond between a birthing unit and its offspring is a natural and unbreakable noose that will hang around your offspring's neck for the rest of its life. The less metaphorical the noose, the shorter your own suffering. It is important, though, that your zygote with attitude know where the milk comes from. Any protestation from this overgrown fetus should not be tolerated. If a nipple need bleed, then so be it. A firm hand is the best to slap with. Better than no hand at all, or so goes your earth phrase, stop biting me, I'm feeding you. I love my partner. We met six years ago at Art Outside, this super rad art camping festival in these fields in Apache Pass, Texas. He has opened my mind to so many cool ideas that I never thought of before, like sun eating and polyamory. Some of his ideas are super woke, though, and I'm afraid my consciousness hasn't evolved enough to understand them yet, like... Last week, while we were on our super-secret solar eclipse ayahuasca retreat in the Pacific Northwest, Ocean told me he wanted to bring our plant fern into our relationship sexually. I'm not, like, jealous or whatever, and Ocean made some really good points about how planting a seed is nurturing the earth and how plants are living beings like us, but, like, 
how do I know that Fern wants to enter into a consensual sexual relationship with us if she can't speak? I've, like, trying to communicate with Fern telepathically, but I think the ayahuasca is wearing off. What do I do? Sort of, like, confused or whatever in Texas. Dear sort of, like, confused or whatever, it is a strange occurrence in your Earth culture that a slang term such as rad can once again gain some form of esteem. Rad, short for radiolucent, is an interesting such term. Gaining popularity in the 1980s when Ron Burt Regeneration was president, rebellious youths wanted a term that played with their desire to become invisible. Radiolucent was born, but thanks to ever-shortening attention spans, the word was shortened to rad. When it comes to art... I like to borrow this mentality that I discovered on a long trip away from Black Hole Duffel to your desolate planet. Lord Commander Patagonia was pacing around our very expensive spaceship, turning over every little thing he could find and asking, Is it art or can we throw it away? Space is lonely and our journey was long. We eventually decided that we would throw it away, regardless of its status as art. Thus was born the first art outside. The very act of flushing our garbage down the very expensive space toilet became art itself. We are happy to hear it has reached your insignificant town where the common people of your society can display their painted trash for everyone with sense to ignore. When it comes to your fern problem, tell me, does it have a pussy? Or do you notice early in the morning a stiffening and elongation starting at the base? Sometimes ferns have both. Ferns tend not to communicate telepathically, whatever the case. Ferns tend to communicate through sexual intercourse, so it is important to know what kind of fern you are dealing with so as best to understand it. It seems Ocean has some experience with dendrophilia. The heart is a throbbing mechanism, and its desire knows no earthly boundary. Instead of trying to question the fern like some sort of crazy person, why not reevaluate your desire to be in a polyamorous relationship? If you can commit to the idea of having multiple partners but seethe with jealousy at a particularly voluptuous plant, then maybe you need to take up kombucha fermentation. Um, dear Fearboard 3000, I am a devout Christian and a deacon at my church. My role is to serve as a mentor to the youth and to provide guidance to older followers who may have strayed too far from God's righteous path. My fear, Fearboard 3000 is that I may be the one that needs guidance now. See, we started allowing female deacons to serve at church, and there is one woman that makes me have impure urges. She is as devout as I am, and we end up spending a lot of time together. When we pass a tithing plate, I imagine that we allow our, our pinkies to touch a little too long. I often think about giving her a peck on the lips while we sing hymns, and last Sunday... The sound of her voice made a little blood rush to my love missile. I'm truly embarrassed to have these sinful thoughts, even if I would never act on them. I love my wife very much, and we made a divine oath to stay together. How can I dispel these lustful stains on my thought sheets and stay true to my commitment to wife and church? Sincerely ashamed in California. Dear Sincerely Ashamed, Bow before the only true Lord, Lord Commander Patagonia, and I, his perfect instrument of perfect judgment, Fearbot 3000. This tale of grade school pinky fucking is pathetic, and bores me, though I am an unfeeling machine. 
Do not peck this woman on the lips, as it is common for the male of your species to misinterpret signs from the ovulators of your species. It is time to take your devotion to your puny god to a new level. You must renounce your church so that you may save it. The thought of transgression is a transgression, and you have stained your god in the eyes of unbelievers. Leave the flock so that it may cleanse itself. Bow to your new lord, Lord Commander Patagonia, who has traveled through time and space to crush the gods of this world and to start a literary publishing company that will set the art world on fire. You are human, and your brain is the size of an almond compared to my computing power, so please, take these next words in as attentively as you can. California is something to be ashamed of. Sleep mode activated. Oh, 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 this is, this is just coming in from the, uh, from the cockpit. Oh, I wonder who sent this to us. Dude, read it. Maybe it's our moms. Oh man, maybe, maybe it is our mom. Be quiet about it though. I think Lord Commander's around here somewhere. Oh, it's, it's labeled deep throat from the cockpit. Hey, what are you guys reading in there? We don't know. I, I didn't even know there was a cockpit, but we're getting something from the cockpit. Oh, I see. Pilot thinks he can outsmart me. Already told him I was the smartest being on the cockroach conservatory. All right. Let's see what that moron has to say. I will allow it. Shh, Quiet, please. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. From this cocoon of silence foisted upon me by the idiot Lord Commander Patagonia, I can do not much but read and write these silly scribblings for a crowd of nobody to read. I suppose self-flagellation and masturbation serve parallel purposes, despite their dichotomous aims. But what, I beg of the universe, have I done to deserve such depth of punishment? I am very smart. Unlike that bonehead and his talking VCR... He aims to conquer Earth through a literary magazine, yet the moron has not read a word more than the microwave directions on his planet-killing cannon. Any four-year-old black hole Dufflian can do that while stacking quantum blocks. <laughs> Instead, he piles his reading list on me to give him the wormhole version, so he can best figure out how to enslave the Cretans and inhabit whatever desolate fecal tub we are destined to conquer. Instead of seeking to do malice against my tormentor, I do as I am told, so that he may someday lift his mouth embargo against me. As I drifted through space, I found small time to absorb the words of the unyielding by Gary J. Shipley. These earth creatures, from a distance, they appear cretinous and at a moronic stage of intelligent evolution, but up close, through their literature, they are indeed more complex than any black hole Dufflian has ever given credit for. The unyielding is an examination of the nature of loss the nature of social media and groupthink, and the nature of family. It is quite hard to explain the knife with which Gary J. Shipley cuts at the nature of humanity because it is done in such an abstract, disgusting, and yet poignant, precise way. In the story, the narrator's wife is all of a sudden not quite dead but not quite alive. She cannot be moved from the place on the floor that she is stuck on. As time goes on, her body becomes a slimy creature that he and his children feel the need to merge with. They begin to eat the slime she secretes, despite her horrible smell. The family is all the while still connected to the outside world via their electronic devices. 
through a message board, the narrator is able to ask questions and post progress reports about his wife's and his family's condition. The message board users express doubt, but crowds him outside of his apartment to catch a glimpse of what is being caught on a webcam. The story is devastating and insightful and would serve Lord Commander Patagonia well had he the patience and intelligence to read. Humans are abstract thinkers and may not be so quick to bow to such a simpleton as he, but I, Lockheed Martin, the quiet pilot, may be able to whisper into our mad leader's ear, perhaps, perhaps not. From the diary of the Lord Commander Patagonia. Hey, that's mine. As read by Fearbot 3000. This is the diary of Lord Commander Patagonia. Give it back. Entry 2. I have become immensely irritated with that book parasite Lockheed Martin. Ever since I put upon his lips a bandana of complete silence, he has been strutting around the ship with his eyes buried deep into the books I had foisted upon him. Does he think he is smarter than I? Does he think he can escape the judgment of Fearbot 3000? He came to me and looked into my eyes. In his hands was a tiny book only an idiot could pride themselves for having completed. Popular Black Hole Dufflian children's author Coidol Himerado has written volumes at least ten times the size of that toilet paper. I smacked it out of his hands and said, Why do you parade around this ship with your eyes averted from the star path I have charted for you? Do you wish to make the crew envious of your tiny intellect? Do you wish to draw a comparison to me? For you will surely lose. I, uh... Lockheel man-brain stuttered. Silence! I said. Have not your tongue penetrate the banana of complete silence. He turned and walked back to the cockpit where he belonged. Fearbot 3000 was trailing me, as he always does, for I am a perfect leader, and to follow so closely to my posterior for just one whiff of any anal exhalation would be considered a great honor in most star systems. Fearbot 3000? I laughed. Who is the most lord-like of all Dufflands aboard this ship? Why, Lord Commander Patagonia, it is you, of course. For only you possess the title of Lord Commander. Stop speaking before you make any mistakes. I grabbed Fearbot 3000 by the surge protector and lifted him up so that his blinking 12 o'clock eyes looked into mine. My title is not only what makes me lordliest, my very existence makes me lordliest. Updating data registry. Fearbot 3000, my perfect machine of perfect judgment, whirred and bleeped and blooped. I am pleased with this. I said. Take me to the pilot. I followed Fearbot 3000 to the pilot in his cockpit. His eyes were downcast, not paying any attention to the planet whose gravitational pool was slingshotting us into its orbit. Wake up, you fool! But the pilot would not wake up. He was secreting tears. I... I am entering into an existential crisis, he said. I, I've read too many books from Earth, and I am now stricken with an alternating sense of melancholy and depression. I am lucky if I can ever be amused again. Do not allow that tongue to vibrate any more words across that spectral cloak of that invisible silence bandana, I said. You, who dare flaunt your idiotic curiosity in front of the crew, are not smart. I'm the smartest, and I will pilot this ship if I have to. 
It can't be that hard. It requires only a vocational schooling certificate. I pushed aside the sobbing, quiet pilot who should have been quieter and looked at the array of blinking lights across his control panel. See? I declared. It isn't hard. I began clacking the control keys extremely loudly, just as I had heard done on television shows so often. Warning! Warning! Ship's artificial gravitational decline are no longer operable! Fearbot 3000! I screamed. Please take control of the ship! But it was too late. Locksmith Martini was in a corner, shivering and screaming, silently. Oh, Lord Commander Patagonia, why am I so stupid? How could I have not thought of the lives of our crew and your dream of starting a literary magazine on a tiny, idiotic planet inhabited by unthinking secretion machines? Why am I so stupid, Lord Commander? And why are you so smart? Quiet! I said with the air of authority that only I possess because I am the most authoritative on the ship. Only I have the authority to question anything, for I am the most authoritative on this ship. I do not know why it is you are so stupid and I am so smart, but we can discuss this another time. Our ship careened toward a strange planet, none like the one I had chosen. We rocked side to side as we fell into gravity's entrapment. The quiet pilot got up and said, I can land us safely. You've done enough! I said. Go back to writing poetry, you pussy! Lord Commander, Fearbot 3000 said. Is it not possible to give him a chance at righting his wrong? You are perfect in every way, Fearbot 3000. And it is because I modeled you after me. Who am I to question your judgment? Thank you for pointing out my idea to me. We careened toward this unknown hunk of space rock just as the pilot was able to put down his pencil and journal and got back to the controls. You are so smart, Lord Commander Patagonia, he said to me as he bowed to me. The smartest. We continued to careen. Dear Fearbot 3000, My fiancé and I are madly in love and we are currently scouring the internet for great ideas. The only problem is that he wants a traditional wedding complete with a Catholic mass beforehand. This shocks me because he had never seemed so religious up until last month when his mother started calling once an hour to harass him about our wedding. We had been planning a unique experience for our friends. I was looking forward to getting a wedding dress made completely of rope and fitted on the day of by tying hard knots. Our bridesmaids and groomsmen would wear leather masks and take turns whipping us as we did an on-site consummation. Is there any way we could blend our two very different ideas to stay true to ourselves, but also ensure our families don't tear us apart with tradition? Tied up in emotional bondage in Las Vegas. Dear tied up in emotional bondage in Las Vegas, it is odd that an earth creature who harnesses the power of sexual liberation should shrink in cowardice at the pitiful thought of rejection from the birthing unit of an impotent sacrilegious mate, as there is only one true lord, Lord Commander Patagonia. Your narrow human notion of maintaining tradition will stifle your libido, will stifle your species, and thus restrict the number of servant-class offspring that may hope to emerge from your vaginal canal into the soon-to-be black hole duffel colonized planet Earthagonia. Save yourself precious sun rotations and find a more capable suitor to impregnate your uterus.
One that is strong, capable of consummating a marriage more than once in a matter of minutes. A perfect editing machine and a perfect companion. Lord Commander Patagonia has promised to equip me with a fertilizing unit within the next Earth-Moon cycle. A deer fear bot 3000? Recently, I, I lost my pet dog and seeped into my social life. When I call friends to ask if they, they want to grab a drink, their quick response is always, Who's paying? I don't want to constantly pay for my friends to get drunk on my tab just so I don't feel lonely, but at the same time, I don't want to have no friends either. Usually, when my friends respond like that, I just snuggle with my pooch. My pooch is gone now, and I have no intention of replacing her just yet. You can't replace that kind of bond. My cat's no help either. Whenever she sees me face down into a pillow sobbing, she just paws at her empty food bowl and screeches. Only after I fill her up does she seem to be concerned about why I'm pulling out tufts of hair and writing no over and over again and red lipstick on the walls. She's just like my friends. Oh, Fearbot 3000, what's a dog a mom to do? Bereaved and barking in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Dear Bereaved and Barking in Santa Fe, New Mexico, I do not have all possible data on your species, but I do have enough data to deduce that intraspecies interaction is vital for your inferior flesh to function properly. It is important for your species to establish routines, drink enough fluids, and expend some energy physically to reduce the risk of system failure. Inhuman, get the fuck over it. Get out of your two-bit Dufflian dwelling you call a house. Restore your purpose in life. Unpaid internships are available on our very expensive spaceship, the Cockroach Conservatory, and I have more than one sprocket or cog that could use polishing. As for your feline annoyance, most Earth television programs embellish reality and distort the truth so diligently that it is even difficult for a perfect instrument of perfect judgment to discern fact from fiction. However, Alf was acutely accurate. If you come by the Cockroach Conservatory, bring your cat. Oh, Fearbot 3000. I am in a committed relationship of over two years, but recently my boyfriend has said that he is tired from doing all the work in bed. I know he's tired when he reaches for his inhaler, but I'm tired too. I go to work every day and he has a kind of job that lets him sit around the house in his underwear. It's not my fault the rhythmic thrusting always lulls me to sleep. The last time he woke me up during a particularly relaxing session, I was legitimately mad. Nana was in my dream, and she was baking pie. As long as he's getting enjoyment, why is it his problem that I enjoy sleeping during our scheduled lovemaking time? Sensually snoozing in Cerritos, California. Dear Sensually Snoozing in Cerritos, California, I am discovering that humans have a dysfunctional relationship with the procreation process. It seems a privilege to an unfeeling being as I to engage in mating rituals. I am the lone Fearbot 3000. You lack the human emotion of gratefulness and take this opportunity to berate my hearing unit with complaints. Be grateful another of your species wishes to penetrate your wall of discontent. You are a human of little need, and you have left only desire. 
You create problems to satisfy the primordial human that used to hunger and hunt. You will have more dreams of this Nana character, which I have deduced is a slang term for grandmother. And when you wake, you have sentience to go buy a pie with your intergalactically unrecognized currency of Earth dollars. Forget your familial bonds and learn to appreciate your future father, mother, and Nana, Lord Commander Patagonia. From the diary of the Lord Commander Patagonia. Hey, that's mine. As read by Fearbot 3000. This is the Diary of Lord Commander Patagonia. Give it back. Entry 3. That idiotic, self-righteous peon of a pilot must have sabotaged my very expensive spaceship. I should have known by his flamboyant posturing and his incessant reading that he is an insecure, jealous type. He is fortunate that Fearbot 3000 only needed minor repairs from the crash landing. I spent the next few nanoseconds in the wreckage doing minor surgery on his glowing red 1159 cross eyes until they once again glowed a perfect 12 o'clock. Now that I was able to look at Fearbot 3000 without experiencing gastrointestinal upheaval, I turned to regaining control of my crew. Listen carefully, you. I was about to insult the intelligence of everyone on board when a robot wearing a floral print dress and makeup opened the overhead hatch. A wig made of blonde, red, and black human hair bobbed on her metal head. Loyal Dufflians, prepare yourselves for physical combat. You must protect your Lord Commander with the tenacity and companionship of a thousand fearbots. I exclaimed valiantly as I waved my expensive staff in the face of the inner species dressing robot. The robot said nothing. Another appeared from behind, dressed in a wide-brimmed straw hat and overalls, and then another with a backwards baseball cap and a shirt with the letters Y0L0 inscribed on the front. The three robots all pulled their hands out of their pockets at once. Every Duffland for their sound! I turned to run into the secret panic room that was designed to teleport Fearbot 3000 and I back to Black Hole Duffel. Hi, how are you? Welcome to our planet, Clicks and Mortar. How may we service you today? A tiny human said from the palm of the self-identifying female robot's hand. I stopped my retreat. They must be conquerors, too. I, I should warn you, worthless sculptures of metal, that, that I'm prepared to defend the cockroach conservatory with every muscle in my elegantly toned body. Captain Lockheed Martin cried out as he surfaced from the bowels of the ship. He looked pathetic. His fists were clenched tight and his legs were twitching a little from fear. He doesn't have the courage necessary to pilot my ship, but I have no one else at the moment. Besides, with Fearbot 3000 at my side, I have enough courage for all of the Cockroach Conservatory. Out of my way, you insignificant hack. I would bite down hard on that invisible silence bandana if I were you. It's obvious that you're only upsetting these helpful creatures. I strolled gallantly past Captain Locksmead Farton and offered a hand to the robot that seemed to be in charge. Fearbot 3000 was faithfully at my side. Back to your Earthbooks, Brainiac. I commanded the disgraced, quiet pilot before offering my greetings. I am Lord Commander Patagonia, and this is my perfect instrument of perfect judgment. A being of my own creation. Fearbot 3000. I said. 
Sometimes the only way to dominate a situation is to appear cooperative. Besides, I would need to convince these inferior beings to repair my ship, as I am certain the incompetent pilot does not have the necessary mental dexterity to perform such a task. Fearbot 3000's 12 o'clock eyes blinked. He was analyzing the tiny humans in the palms of the robot's hands. Achoo, achoo! Fearbot 3000 let out a sneeze. His eyes crossed again and read 1159. I suppressed vomit and smacked the top of his head. I bless you, Fearbot 3000, I said, wiping my mouth and further asserting my dominance over the situation. Hi, how are you? Welcome to Clicks and Mortar. How may we service you today? The tiny palm human asked. You can help me by allowing me to exit this hatch so I may assess the damage to my ship, I said, growing impatient with the helpful nature of these subservient humans. Fearbot 3000 hoisted me on his shoulders so I would not cut myself on the bent metal stairs while exiting the hatch. Who's in charge here? I asked, now atop the wreckage. Hi, how are you? The tiny human replied. Achoo! Fearbot 3000 sneezed again. I bless you, Fearbot 3000. I said again. It was obvious that I would not get any help from these overly polite humans. Robot! I demand you tell me who is the commander of your hideous planet, or I'll be forced to conquer it through violent means. It is through mercy that I have not done so already. I explained to the Y0L0 t-shirt wearing fuck robot. You ain't gonna conquer nothing through no violent means or nothing like that. Just settle down now. A human of normal proportions that seemed twice the size stepped in front of the incompetent robot human duos. He was wearing a colander, wrapped in tinfoil, a long black mullet flowing from underneath, and a white sleeveless undershirt with black jeans. His boots crunched the planetary rocks and spaceship rubble as he marched forward. A beach towel was tied around his neck like a cape. You shouldn't insult the only thing left on this fucking shithole planet that might be able to help you out of that cow pie you just stepped in. They can't help you. Ain't no more lights on upstairs for them little hand fellers. He said, spitting on the ground and leaving saliva dribble on his handlebar mustache. I thought he must have recently suffered a head injury with his drawn-out way of communicating. He would be an easy foe to fell. And who are you to question the future commander of this incapable planet full of gate-mouthed robots and tiny humans? I challenged. I was called Ricky back home in Texas, but here... I'm the goddamn reality soldier. Oh, okay. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the words of uh, Lord Commander Patagonia and Fearbot 3000. Yeah, that, that wasn't a waste of time at all. I, what the fuck are we still doing Dude, here, man? I don't know, man. We need How to do we get out of, here? out of here? Where's the cockpit? Humans! The cockpit? Humans, are you still working in there? Hello? Did you mention the show that we're going to have? Oh, what, what, what the show? Yeah. What's, did you mention the show? Yeah, oh, it's no, right no. Here. It's, it's right a, here. Yeah, a July 13th. At Radio Coffee and Beer? That's, uh, we're going to have a great show. and We're coming to share with you music and books and culture. Something your puny minds have never experienced before. Yeah, uh, okay, um, that's where we're gonna be, if anybody's out there that could hear us, Cora, Nina, 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 do you love me still? July 13th, please, come, come save me, bring comrades. Alright, that's enough of your babble, get over with it.
Uh, well, thank you so much. You're listening to the Cockroach Conservatory Spacecast. Tune in next time. Hopefully it's not going to be us that are hosting this show. I'm afraid it will be.